0: what's up world it's Bodhi and you are listening to the remixer world podcast today is the ask me anything episode uh, you all sent in some great questions I'm gonna go through them it there were a lot so I didn't get through everything so maybe we will have a part two but I did tackle the ones that were repeated and asked a lot so we'll get into those um, thank you for being here I hope you find something insightful along the way and let's just get it started. Yo, check this out. When did you first suspect you were trans? Um, So I can tell you there was a moment when I remember really hating saying I was a girl. And I think that was the first moment that it really clicked of like, mm, something, right? Before, I always wanted to be around the boys and do whatever the boys were doing, dress like my brother, you know, all of that, yes. Um, But I wasn't in a place where I was not feeling like I was other than. I just more or less thought that I was kind of that's what I was, and I was like them in a sense. I didn't really realize yet, you know. So there was a moment, though, when I had to say that I was a girl or I was asked this question, and it, and it really kind of struck a chord with me. So around f- end of first grade, going into second grade was when my family and I left Louisiana to move to Dubai, so we lived in a um, Hyatt Regency and at the, you know, top 10 floors or whatever it was that were residencies and we were living there while our house was getting built and there was um, an ice skating rink and an arcade and a pizza place and all this stuff, you know, like in the bottom floor and my brother and I were just able to go and, and play down there you know like after school or or whatever we just could be down there until dinner time i guess and so i was skating once there was an ice skating rink that i and i loved to skate and i remember two things around involved around ice skating i hated that i had to wear the white damn skates i wanted the fucking black skates like why do i have to wear the white skates i wanted the black ones and the other thing was I think eventually I just got black skates. My mom was probably like, whatever, you want to wear black plate, black skates? It makes you happy, wear black skates. But there was a moment when there were these two girls that were always down there skating also like every day. And I was just kind of like in my, I don't know, like I'm young and I'm skating and I want to like show off for the girls and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember these girls being all the way at the end of the skating rink and they yelled across the whole skating rink to me, are you a girl or a boy? And in that moment, it was so like devastating to me of like, ugh. you know, like I didn't want to say, you know, like I I did not want to say. And so I remember screaming, it starts with a G because I knew that it at least kind of rhymed with a B but like it was still it just didn't feel good and so I think that is like the first real memory that I have of okay I am not happy with saying that I am a girl Um, and from then on it just slowly started to kind of change and me really starting to not understand what was kind of going on that was that was the beginning of really not being comfortable in my gender um and not really wanting to be a part of it you know I didn't I didn't like I didn't like that um and then you know from then on it really kind of slowly started to just I just started to grow up you know I didn't really understand any of it um I went through a really rough patch and bad patch of just really not being okay with being my gender at a very young age, you know, all through Dubai and leading up until seventh grade when we left Dubai to live in Aberdeen. It was really heavy for me in those years, and I really was fighting with not understanding who I was, you know, there was, there was really no such, I had no one in my world that was that way. I had nobody that I'd seen even, I don't even really remember seeing much of it on TV or any of that. You know, we grew up in Dubai, we didn't have TV, you know, we had British television occasionally. Um, so like, I didn't have a whole lot Of influence, you know, and I was just trying to figure it out, I guess, on my own, without really having language for it or anybody to even really talk to about it. Um, And so, for me, I, I think that's when I kind of really slowly started to build a relationship with, you know, what I will use the word God, but I don't know if that really fits it, but. Back then as a kid, I would, you know, use that word. God was the word that I would use. And I would pray a lot that I would wake up as a boy. I have um, really sad, heartbreaking memories of praying to Jesus in my grandmother's house. Um, In the summers, when we would leave Dubai and go and spend the summer in Louisiana and New Orleans... Um, uh, my grandma, I would stay in my grandmother and I would stay in like one of the bedrooms and there was this big picture of Jesus. And I remember this was sixth grade going into seventh because we were about to move to Aberdeen, Scotland. I can remember this was towards the end of Dubai going towards Scotland. Um, I think I was slowly starting to kind of like show in my chest, um, um, but I really started to kind of like, you know, shift, obviously, and puberty was hitting. And so I can remember praying at night and just before I would go to bed, God, please, 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 if you, if you really love me, if you really exist, then I'll wake up as a boy. And I would wake up in the morning and then realize, fuck, I'm not, and I would just sob. And it's a pretty devastating thing as a kid to feel that of like, okay, well, I'm, then I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. Am I a freak? Is something wrong with me? Like all of that starts to just really loop in your head and you're just so young and nobody to really talk to about it, you know? Like I can't say to my mom, I feel like I'm in the wrong body or I feel like God made a mistake. I just didn't have anyone safe enough that I felt that I could say those things to without feeling like I was crazy or I was a freak. So, you know, God became the person that I would talk to. And then in that, I started to not really trust that either because here I am trying to pray to who I'm told that I need to pray to. And maybe that's why I never had a real connection with Jesus. I don't know. But like... It didn't, for whatever reason, it made me feel worse about myself, you know. Um, And I can remember, like, getting dressed in the mirror before going to my first school, my first class, like, when we moved to Aberdeen. um, And, you know, always being very masculine presenting, you know, like, uh, constantly wearing boys' clothes. That, That was just... I, would never even, I wouldn't even shop in the women's department. Eventually, my mom was just like, whatever you want. I know where you're going. That's fine. Do you like it? If it makes you happy, great. And I can remember the first day of school, getting dressed, looking in the mirror. And there's this another memory that I have that's really, really loud of me just looking in the mirror at myself and saying, I'm so handsome. I know that girls would like me. Let me be who I'm supposed to be. You know, like there was this this thing that I would just deal with. And I think what then happened like after that is when I really started to know that I liked girls, obviously. And I think. Once that became the reality of, oh, well, I just like girls and there is this thing as gay. I kind of closeted myself about really feeling wrong gendered for a while. You know, of like, well, maybe I just like girls. Maybe this is the answer, you know. But the truth is I was trans well before I was gay. And through those years, I had this alter ego that I had in my mind. And his name was Jake. And Jake was who I felt that I actually really was. And so I can remember going to school as Allison, but like before I would go to school or before I would get dressed or before I would, you know, like leave my bedroom, I would almost have this ritual with myself of like, okay, but what Jake is really wearing and what Jake is really looking like is. And it was like this shield that would like wash over me of who I really felt that I was inside. And Jake was a huge part of me for as long as I can remember, you know, for years until I kind of, until I, I feel most likely until I came out as gay, which would have been, you know, 17, 18, but there was this huge alter ego of Jake for me that was able to live his best life, I guess, you know, like he, he was able to do whatever he would want to do. And I would come home from school and it was like, in my mind, I would, me and Jake were playing, you know, it was like, I was able to be in my bedroom, air guitaring or playing keyboards or singing or doing something musically like this persona, obviously of music. I wanted to be a rock star before a DJ. And that was the safe space for Jake to just be. Um, And yeah, I mean, and I kept him pretty quiet for, as long as I can remember, you know, until I started really dealing with this stuff in therapy six, seven, eight years ago. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like how that's the very short story, I guess I would say of when did I really first start to notice the shifts and understand myself a little bit. Um, testosterone is another big question. Many, many asked about testosterone. I am on testosterone. I'm on a very small amount of testosterone. Um, I do not have really huge testosterone goals. Um, it's a, it's actually such a small amount that when I told Shane, he laughed and said, that's adorable. So yeah, that may change. Maybe it won't right now. I feel really good on the small dose that I'm on now. Um, I have no desire to really increase right now. Um, so yeah, I'm on a very low dose of testosterone. Another popular question. Are you having bottom surgery? I am not. What was the one thing that influenced your decision to pull the trigger on transitioning? Several people asked a similar kind of question, so I'll just talk about this. Um, big things that kind of changed for me. So we were end of a decade, right? And so like at the end of a decade, here's the time to like really look back at things. And there was just this moment of like, okay, I know something's off. I know something's not right. Can I have the courage to kind of, to go through this? Is this really what I want? You know, when I rewind the record back to the beginning of the decade, that was when I really slowly started to kind of shift into this. And I left Florida. Um, I've, I used the name Bodhi. That name came to me in a meditation called the Future Self Meditation, which I now lead in my CIJ classes. I took that class as a student in 2011. There's a moment when you go into the future and you speak to yourself 20 years from now and you ask yourself, What is a name that you'd like to be called other than your own? In that moment, the name Bodhi came to me. That is when I claimed that name and slowly started to kind of feel into what that felt like. Shortly after that, maybe a year or two after that class, I moved here and I decided, okay, well, I'm going to only introduce myself as Bodhi to people. And so many people here only know me as that um, a lot of the personal work that I've done here, all of my therapists, the people that I've done all the group work with, they all know me as Bodhi. It was like this safe space for me to really start to find myself in that identity, in that name and, and in this skin. And so it just is this really slow process that was building, you know, over, over time. Um, You know, it's interesting. People think that you decide and then all of a sudden it's, it's, you're moving so fast, but it's like, you don't realize that for me, I've been dealing with this ever since I can remember. So it feels actually really slow to me. Um, And there just came a moment within these last, I would say four, three or four years when I met Sway and things really started to shift then, because it was the really, it was the first relationship that I was with where I was Bodhi, where my pronoun was they, where I was in this safe space to really just be who I am in an intimate relationship. And in that, you, you know, like that allowed me such this space to really just embody who I know myself to be. And so it's this slow dance of like, wow, this is really building. This is really building. What am I going to do about it? You know, and, you know, Sway and I have had deep conversations since our first date about gender and my pronouns and who I am and all of this. And she has seen me really, really, really struggle with my chest, you know, like, fetal position on the floor, struggling with not understanding my gender, not wanting to do anything about it, needing to do something about it, but being afraid to do something about it. You know, like she's really seen me in my most vulnerable moments, particularly around my, my chest. And there was this one moment I can remember getting out of the shower. And, you know, when you're in relationship with somebody, you don't realize sometimes when they're watching you or when they're not, you know, and like, But there was a moment when I got out of the shower and she caught me looking at myself in the mirror with such sadness, you know, like of this reflection of my chest. And I didn't know she was watching me. You know, it's something that I've been dealing with for as long as I can remember, but I didn't know I was being watched in that moment. And so I kind of turn over and I see her and she's like, babe like opens her arms and she's like, we got to talk about this. Like this, you know, we need to do something about this. This is, this is, I didn't know it was this deep, you know, like let's talk about it. And I think, you know, that was a big pivotal shift for me to be in relationship with someone who really, really, really sees me and feeling that kind of support of like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. This, this, I have to do something. And for so long, music has stopped me from doing so many things. It's amazing how when you follow your passions and you follow your dreams, they become such beacons for everything in your life. Music was that. Every single decision I had made was about the music. Where I was going to live, what I was going to do, how I was going to DJ, where I was going to DJ, everything was driven by the, by the music. And my move here was not and then my transition too, I knew that this had to be about me. And I think I, sh- you know, made it so quiet for so long. Well, I can't take off a couple of months from, you know, like DJing, you know, that that was a big excuse for a long time. Um, of course, you go through what, what will people think, you know, even though I have so much support and in my own community, of course, but... The trans community isn't the most celebrated in, amongst our Rainbow fam. So there was that in my mind as well. You know, like, what are people going to think? You know, how am I going to take off time from DJing? So all of that really slowly was, was playing in the background. And between enough deep conversations with my therapist, my groups, um, a lot of hypnotherapy, there, it was finally just loud enough of like, okay, I'm gonna slow. I I'm gonna I'm gonna do something about it, and then I started to talk to Sway of like, okay, let's do it. We're gonna I'm gonna have top surgery, and once I decided that I was gonna have top surgery, and then December rolls around, we're about to go into a brand new decade, and I wanted to have a really big. Um, experience in a therapeutic setting with a high dose of psilocybin, um, and really go in and let go of some things that might be holding me back moving forward towards this next decade. So I go on a, on a retreat and the week leading up to this retreat, my energy and my psyche starts to know, okay, we're going to start really letting some shit go. Because the great thing about personal work is the moment you decide to make a change, everything in your universe starts to support that change. Once you are really clear, everything around starts to really shift to make that so. Signing up for that retreat, knowing that I was going there to really let go of some shit, that whole week leading up to the medicine journey, all I kept hearing over and over again and sobbing like like just so much release was not another decade, not another decade, not another decade. And I knew that meant not another decade about my gender. I knew this is it. Like I, I got to do it right now. Like there's no more waiting. I cannot anymore and I go on the retreat and surprisingly enough during the ceremony during my trip there wasn't a whole lot about gender I was actually cleaning up so much other things that I had been carrying but at the end when I was able to share an integration and like really let go it was the first time I was able to voice with a group of people that I didn't even really know besides two people of who I really was and what I was planning on doing. And in that claiming of that, between that and the end of the decade, there was just no turning back. I was it. I had to make a change and I had to do something. And so within That was December 14th, January 7th is when I came out and it was quick. It was like the mushrooms were like, nope, we're going to let go of all that stuff. (laughs) Here we go. And it's time that the medicine was loud, you know, and I knew it was going to be because I knew what I was going for. And that was just the final straw of like, no, it's time to move on. So, yeah, that was the final door. Uh, Does it bother you when someone doesn't get your pronoun right? What bothers me is when people just automatically assume that I'm a he because I'm trans. I understand that this is a transition for all of us, right? Right. And so what I would say is what bothers me is when people are just kind of lazy. If somebody knows that my pronoun is they, and then they still just ignore it anyway without saying, hey, I'm going to screw this up, and I would really love it if you would cut me some slack. That is all I'm asking for. Just be honest with me and say, I have known you as a she for so long and they is a little weird to me. You're the first they in my life, so I'm going to fuck it up, which is okay. You know, like but but they feels really good to me. I I like love everything about being a they. It's this energy that just fits who I am. It's like this dance between masculine and femininity that they actually represents for me. It just feels really good. I don't like being called she. I never liked it as a kid, you know, and it's not that I don't like being called he, I just prefer they, they just feels like me. So I request that if you want to see me and you want me to feel seen, then, then try, then just try because they is what really, really resonates deeply with me. I love it. And that doesn't mean that in gay speak, you can't be in the club and be like, Hey girl, cause I get that. In gay world, we are all, girl, yes, honey, yes, honey, I'm here for it, girl, yes. But truthfully, if you want to know what, like, my actual preferred pronoun is on the day-to-day, then baby, I'm a they. Okay, yay, they. And if I was to raise a child, which I'm not, I would totes be raising babies, honey think about how gender has affected you. You know, if you are a, a man listening, how many times have you heard in your life, suck it up, boy. Don't be, don't be acting like a sissy up in here. You know, or whatever it, it, it was to push you in towards the masculine. And the same thing for females that are listening, that you can't be strong. You can't go for what, after what you want. You can't be powerful. You know, so those sorts of bullshit boxes that we've been put in, for centuries I'm just not subscribing to that fucking memo anymore no so they feels really good to me and it may take a hot minute for you to get used to it but you'll get you'll catch on there's a lot of kids out there nowadays who are non-binary and who prefer they them there thankfully we have we're, we're coming to that you know where there's kids that are learning about gender neutrality and it's important And so if I am your first they in your life, then hey, welcome, motherfucker. Yay, they. I'm here for it. And you can fuck up with me. You can mess up. But I'm requesting that you at least try and see me and hear me and know that I'm toast, they, babe. Okay? Yes. And you can still call me queen. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. What speaks to you most about being non-binary? What speaks to me the most about being non-binary is that there is this beautiful dance between the masculine and feminine. And I'll put it to you in terms of music. Say the masculine side, you have intense, hardcore, hard techno. You know, 138 plus just rough and intense techno. And on the other side, you have beautiful, chill-out, Balearic, floaty, euphoric music, right? And so the masculine and the feminine, there is this space in between that feels really good to me. You know, I like it driving, I like it hard, I like it rough, but at the same time I like it soft and floaty and euphoric. Music to me my sweet spot is in between you know and also my sweet spot in gender is that space in between. Non-binary for me means that floaty space that I don't have to go to one side or to the other. How does the person you are today differ from the childhood dream of the person you'd become? Well, there's so many things that are actually the same as my dreams, okay? So when I speak of my dreams as a kid, my dreams were always music. So in a sense, I have lived a lot of that out. Now, I thought maybe I was going to be like a rock star most likely before I thought I was going to be a DJ, but... I knew that I was gonna I wanted to be on stage I wanted to be in music I wanted to be you know some sort of an entertainer or performer that I knew so I feel like that part of me has been lived out um I feel like for the first time, so much of the childhood that I had to kind of mute is now slowly being able to be explored so It'll be interesting to see what that looks like a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Uh, Thankfully, I have a very wild and playful, young, joyful spirit. So I love to play with the little one that's inside of me. And so there will be more play, I feel, that comes now from feeling a little bit, much more comfortable in my skin, obviously. Um, You know, as like a kid, you dream of scoring a soccer goal and ripping your shirt off and running down the field and goal and all of that stuff like but I never got to do that so I could do that now you know if I want to if I want to go and have that experience I could do that you know um it's so it's like little moments like these that I wanted so much as a little one that now I get to go and explore and play with it and see um yeah you know Music was always going to be the thing as a kid. So I'm really grateful that I was able to make a career in music and still doing, still doing it. So yeah, I would say that that's been something that has been very consistent in my entire life. Um, how I would differ from it? I think how I would differ would be like, if I don't know what, what it would have been like if I would have transitioned when I was young. Right. So like, who knows, you know, and there's no way to know and I can't shoulda, woulda, coulda, and I can't have regrets because there's just no, there's no room in my heart for it. You know? So the only way to really embrace with what's going on is, is to be here now. And this, this is this moment. And so, what I'm trying to do during this, through this transition is to find some little things that I did want to be able to do as a kid and do them again. You know, it's like these little moments that I want to have, little celebrations that I wanted to do as a kid that maybe now I could explore more, you know. So maybe by the time next summer when I can actually have my shirt off in the sun, I'll go kick a soccer ball ball into a goal and take off my shirt and run around like a little kid that seems like that would be fun to do yo check this out if you could choose a different career path in life that you find fascinating what would that be and where do you derive that influence from okay great question the good thing about this is i am already doing it so um i started remix your world for me, the only other thing that that's really lit a fire under me, like music has been, you know, the world of personal development. So I kind of just followed the light and ran with it. Um, what I have found, you know, recently over just kind of, you know, studying myself and journaling, I have found that the thing that I love about DJing and that I love about, coaching is the transition. And for me, when I was a young DJ learning, of course, the music was what drew me first. But what I was obsessed with was the transition. And I wanted that mix to be so clean to where you couldn't even tell a new track was coming in until you were already so into something else that you were like, whoa. And I wanted that kind of experience I wanted to be able to take genres that didn't technically go together and make them go together and things that you wouldn't think would work I wanted to find a way to make them work and I love helping people in their transitions as well with the same kind of vision um and that goes beyond gender you know We're all going through some sort of transition, you know, whether it's life transition, career transition, relationship transition, um, something that we're moving through. And I really love helping people get from where they are to where they want to be. And that's something that I'm super passionate about. And I'm grateful that I have found a way to mix the things that I love together with Remix Your World. What is one quality of life or characteristic that you have known since childhood and observed throughout your life that brings you joy each time it's experienced? Without a shadow of a doubt, music. I mean, there's music. Music, it's just my thing. Whether I'm rocking out to like some yacht rock, to some ambient music, 90s country, to freaking Berlin techno, you know, like... It can be all the things, but music is that one thing that can just transcend us all. And it is the thing that I've kept with me since I was little. And I think even if you were to even take it apart of music and go even like really pull back the lens on that, it's sound. I just, I love sound. You know, like it's the one thing that can just change your mood in an instant. And what's so magic about it is it can change your mood to anything. You can feel scared within like three chords, you know, like you ever watch a horror movie without sound? That shit ain't scary. It's not scary at all. That is some funny ass shit. As soon as you put the music on though, then you're you're scared. That's the power of music. And the same thing can go with something that's uplifting. You know, like think of the, the worst day that you possibly could have. And then you find a song that is so inspiring. You put it on. It will completely change your whole energy and mood. So for me, you know, music is medicine, period. It's my medicine of choice. It is the thing that I have loved the most in my life and the thing that I have hated the most in my life. True story but it's that relationship of light and dark that calls me back to it every time you know it's this it's the medicine that i need what are some of the best and most effective ways that you bring about peace and acceptance in your life and that you try to instill in others that may be going through setbacks great question Uh, peace and acceptance to me resonate in the same frequency, you know? So like those are values to me that, that it's like the same tone, the same frequency is playing and that frequency of peace and acceptance, even love is something that I am able to rest in 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 the mornings you know when i meditate or um when i witness something that was like a really sweet moment if i notice like a stranger does something that just like it's so sweet it floods over me or or an animal or i see my friends you know like um celebrating some sort of success it's a it's a frequency that happens that i feel and that frequency Is always available to us if we allow to turn down all of the other noise that's going on. And for me, the best way to cultivate that frequency being more often in your life is stillness and meditation. You know, it's the thing that I talk about so much. And funny enough, so many of my students and clients resist it over and over again because it's not, it's not the easiest thing and you don't see the results right away. So it can be daunting to build a meditation practice in the beginning, but it's something that is so important because it allows us to rest in that peace. It allows us to rest without all of the noise and to just be... And when you get comfortable with that beautiful feeling of just being, then you're able to then witness it in other areas of your life. You know, so I would say to anybody who's listening who's really struggling right now, and a lot of us are with what's going on. If you do not have a meditation practice, I invite you to like no time like the presence. Because it's something that is free. And can really help you understand that all of that mental chatter that's going on is not who you are. And the more you sit and rest, you can get behind all of those fucking frequencies that are blowing up at you. And you can get behind it and just like chill. You can literally get to a space of like, that is some crazy ass noise. It's like being, this This is the thing, and I get it. And, and when you first start meditating, it's, it's loud up there. It's super loud. And there are times when it is really quiet. My mornings are so peaceful. It's like amazing. It's called a meditation practice because that's exactly what it is. It's a practice. So I would invite you to begin A meditation practice and it's it's so simple and it's and it's free it's free you know like and the other thing that is free as well is journaling those are two things are non-negotiables in my life no matter what is going on I meditate daily I journal daily it's a non-negotiable for me it's just private time with myself and it's it's me it's me time and it's it's also free. You know, it's like we live in a world where we want fast results right now. We want things to be fixed and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. When most of the time actually we just need to chill the fuck out. And like get quiet and listen and and not allow all of that noise to tell us what we think it thinks we should be doing. You know, so Find time to begin a meditation practice. I, I, that is something that I just, it's super important, you know. And if you can't meditate, which I don't believe is true. I believe that that is a story that you're telling yourself. But if it is hard for you, then I would say start with yoga. Because yoga will get you to a place where in Shavasana, it will feel so good you'll want to get back to that Shavasana space, You know, like after a really good yoga class. So start with yoga if you can't get to meditation first. But I would say those are really great things. So besides journaling, meditation, I I am a serious advocate for therapists, coaches, and doing personal work, investing in a coach, investing in therapy, investing in something that is going to help you overcome things, help you deal with your traumas, help you deal with what might be going on, um, on a subconscious level. You know, I think that we spend so much effort and energy into physical fitness and not nearly enough. In mental fitness. And I know, you know, it's, it's easy to want to just work on the external, but the internal is what's really fueling that, you know, and if you can find peace and love and acceptance within the internal, then that external is just going to shine no matter what. Because think about the people that you have in your life. I know that you know people. I know people in my world. You might even be one of these people listening. But think about all the time, energy, and money you have spent into perfecting your body. And yet at the end of the night and at the end of the day, when you go to bed, there's still a piece of you that doesn't love yourself. And that breaks my heart because that is not a physical fitness issue that is a mental fitness issue. And so if we could just find the space and time and to know that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to want to have help and guidance then i think collectively we're all going to get into such a better state of being which then we're all going to love more, care more, share more, be in a space of live in a space of abundance and want to give instead of hoard and hide and be scared. It's up to us to work on our internal so that we can shine on our external. So those are the things that they're non-negotiables for me in my life. And even as a coach, I have coaches, I have healers. I still see my therapist. It's, it's a thing that I'm, I'm dedicated to, to constantly grow And shift because the moment you don't think that you need to grow, something is going to push up against you that's going to show you, bitch, yes, you do. So be open to it and just get into the rhythm of it. Then it's just a part of your being. It's a part of your wellness practice. It's a part of your self-care routine. And just like you go get that manicure, honey, you best get that coaching session. You best get that healing session, honey. You best get that therapist appointment. It's important. Love yourself enough to invest in yourself. on! I assume looking back 20 years ago, a lot of people looked at gender identity as a sexual identity issue. What did you feel 20 years ago about your gender identity? I think what is a really beautiful way to think about it is gender is who you go to bed as and sexuality is who you go to bed with. But 20 years ago, I didn't understand it. Um, I was 23. I was crushing it as a young pup DJ, like every day, all day, working on music. Um, it was Everything for me um those times and I was gay and I was totally closeted about my gender I don't even think I was having those conversations with myself anymore I had just thrown everything into music and just muted you know my gender as much as I could and I was also really unhappy you know, I was the heaviest that I'd ever been. I was around 240 pounds and I just was eating my way into, you know, not having to feel what I knew that I was trying to, to mute. Um, So looking back on that, I was doing anything and everything that I could to silence that part of myself because I just didn't want to deal with it. Have you found joy, comfort, and happiness? I feel like I am, for the most part, pretty happy and pretty joyful. Those two, those are two things, especially joy. Joy is a is a, is a core value for me. Um, granted, of course, I have my days, but like those are things that I I, if you were to ask people what they thought of me. I think people would would tell you that I was genuinely a happy and joyful person. The comfort thing is new for me Um, and learning to be more comfortable in this new skin. And I don't think I ever was comfortable and I'm slowly starting to dance in what comfortable feels like. Um, And so that's something that is like a daily, a little daily little dance. You know, Sway has said, that she has seen such a huge difference in me since surgery because I feel way more connected in my body than I've ever been. And I can totally feel that. Um, And and I think like a year from now when I am much more on the other side and I can really like move my body, um, that it's going to even feel even more comfortable and even um, more natural for me. How do you open and close your day do you have a morning daytime or evening rituals that you practice uh yeah so morning is never changes it is meditation and journaling that's my grounding that's what I do in the morning um I pretty much no matter what you know I sit I, I don't have a particular style of meditation in the beginning I did you know but now I've just really found my own way with it. Um, but I sit, you know, I light the incense, I light the candles, I set an intention, I just kind of open the space, I reiki the room, um, and then just allow a really nice gentle practice. You know, sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short. I just allow for whatever needs to come through to come through. Um I journal about maybe what has come through the channel after that. I'll pull some cards. Um There are, if I'm really trying to manifest something and I'm really trying to work through something, um, I have goals and intentions that I'm working on. So I'll look at those gold, um, goal cards and I'll set the intention and look at what those action steps might be to get me closer to achieve those goals. Um, and then, yeah. And then I kind of close the container and start my day. Um, at night I kind of go in and out with a night routine, Um, for me, my morning routine is really the most important, but at night, sometimes, you know, before I go to bed, I'll just have a moment when I kind of replay my day, look over my wins, look over where I might have fallen short and, you know, and, and then go through like the things that I'm grateful for. What are you most drawn to in nature? Hmm. I think nature has all the answers. Nature, I think, is our greatest teacher. Um, there's such magic in nature. It's it's hard to to be in the midst of nature and feel like your problems have weight. You know, like, because then all of a sudden everything opens up and you're like, wait a minute. I'm, like, really small in the vastness of what's all really going on right now in, in nature. Um there's this dance that nature knows, you know, we could learn from that, you know, of, of understanding, oh, wow, the nature knows when the leaves needs to turn. Nature knows when the leaves needs to turn again. Nature knows when the leaves need to fall. You know, it's these, these sorts of things that I think makes it so magical. Same thing with the ocean. It's like laying there on the beach and just like allowing that water To just full, you know, come over you and then go back. It's like this back and forth of this trusting of the law of give and receive. You know, trusting, surrender, and release. And I think it's, it's just beautiful. It's the greatest teacher that I know. Is there an experience of awe that you have had with the natural world that you would like to share? Yeah. Um... One of the first times I went snowshoeing when I moved here, um, we were like off back in a trail and it was, there was just this really big snow and it was so quiet, you know, because the snow was so thick and everything was so dense that literally the only thing that you could hear was just, you know, your heartbeat. And it was that silent that it was like your heartbeat was literally like a function one sound system. It was so loud, you know, it was just, it was, it was crazy loud because everything around was just deafening. And I think that moment was really changing for me of like, man, we are so small in such this vastness, you know, and that was a big moment for me. What has been the most challenging part of your transition thus far? And also the rewarding. All right. The most challenging was definitely surgery. Um, man, y'all, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. And I, it was so painful. And... There were moments when I was laying there crying to sway like tell me that this is this was the right thing tell me it's gonna get it's gonna be okay and she was just look at me and say just hang on I promise you it's gonna be okay you know you'll get through it it was so painful um I haven't ever really had any sort of like surgery you know like that um and so I was so I mean literally you just couldn't move without without being in an enormous amount of pain and the drugs on top of that were just made me super depressed and super crazy feeling. And I was having a little bit of complications from, I think from like the anesthesia and not being able to fully breathe in the middle of the night, I would wake up like gasping for air. I already kind of have sleep paralysis occasionally. And so that was happening during this too. And not being able to really fully move, you know, like, cause this, this binder was so tight around me and like, it was literally cutting into my back. Like I still, right now, I still have all of these scars all over my back from how the binder was so tight cutting it against my skin. It literally was just cutting me. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely the hardest part the most rewarding i would have to say also surgery right so like both of them it's that's that's the beauty of life it's like the thing that brings you the most pain can give you the most joy as well you know but the most rewarding has been yeah i don't have to wear a fucking binder anymore y'all i don't think y'all understand let me try to explain it to you imagine that you have to constantly wrapped around your chest every day, you know, like a, a binder. And it's not the same as just wearing a sports bra where you have a little bit more of, of flexibility. A binder really is like compressing you, you know, and like for those of us who are transitioning and really have an issue with our chest, like we bind because, you know, we don't like the way that we look with big breasts um, or breasts in general. It doesn't matter what size they are. But in my case, I have some tig old biggies. So the binder like literally was always on my chest. And so if you think about that too metaphorically and spiritually, that's my heart chakra of just being constantly covered and what that does to your posture, how it then internally rotates you all the time because it's so tight that it's hard to even stand up straight because it's just so compressed. And to have that on day in and day out is emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting, and it just hurts. You know, And you take it off at the end of the day, you're just like, ah, oh, I can breathe. But yet, I can't still because I still don't feel comfortable in my skin. So now, I can actually take my shirt off and feel like, ah, I can really breathe. I don't have to have a binder. I don't have to have that covering me anymore. I can I just feel so much more comfortable in my skin. I still have I have to do like a lot of um physical therapy and like like start really training my back muscles now because for so long I've internally rotated out of hiding and the binder that now it's like I have to tell remind myself to put my shoulders back like oh yeah I don't I don't have to be ashamed anymore I don't actually have to hide myself anymore I don't have to hide my breasts anymore I don't have to internally rotate and pretend you know like they're they're not there I don't have to feel this binder I can actually open myself up and open my chest up and feel really comfortable in my skin so that is the most rewarding part thus far how has your family reacted? You know, I've only talked to my mom, my dad, and my brother, um, and my sister-in-law. Like we, we're. I haven't really talked to many other folks about it. They all know, obviously, but you know, obviously, my parents were the first people that I, I had a conversation with. Um, I actually told my mom and my stepdad first, um, surprisingly, because my dad's gay, you would think I would go straight to him, but I told my mom and my stepdad first, um, I waited until the evening, till I knew that they were at least two drinks in, um, and they were, you know, surprisingly supportive, it wasn't the full I'm trans conversation, as much as it was, hey, I'm gonna have top surgery, um, and I think it was just my way of slowly kind of easing them into what was going on. And, um, you know, my mom said, whatever you want to do, you want to cut off your breast? Does it make me, does it make you happy? Okay, great. This is my mother. Okay, y'all, my mom comes from New Orleans. Her mantra is life is a party and do what makes you happy. And thankfully, I grew up with that, that also, you know, like in one side of my ear was that. And my mom has always said about every major decision I've ever made in my life. Hell, every decision, basically. Even if we, where we going, where are we going for lunch? This woman constantly will ask, well, does it make you happy? Yes. Then that's what we're doing. You want to be a DJ? Does it make you happy? Yes. Then you go be a DJ. You want to wear boys' clothes? Does it make you happy? Yes. Go wear boys' clothes. You want to take your have top surgery? Does it make you happy? Then do it. That's, you know, like my mom. And so literally she asked, does it make you happy? Does this going to make you happy? Okay, great. Do it. And I remember her saying to me after, don't you worry about what other people are going to say to you. I want you to do this anyway. Promise me you're not going to worry about what other people are going to say to you. And I said, yes, I got you, you know, and that That was a big moment for me. Because I knew that she was saying, fuck everybody else. You do you do what makes you happy. And we love you and we support you no matter what. My dad. (laughs) (laughs) My dad and I are awesome. Um, I think it was probably comical and funny because i tend to break big news to my dad in a comical way to kind of ease the blow so i'm sure it was it was a little bit of that and then it got serious you know like a day or two later after it like got really into you know then it definitely got serious and my dad you know like a good gay he was so good he went and watched the documentaries read some articles trying to get it figured out understanding the pronouns like he was doing doing all the work you know like and it was it's awesome you know like and I, and and at the same time still having to deal with the grief of it too you know like i know that they both have to grieve the loss of what they know their little girl to be right and and that's something that I have just allowed them to just do however they needed to do without me. You know, they can, we don't need to talk about all of that. If you want to talk about it, we can. But they need to grieve and understand it on their own terms as well. But how they have been with me, you know, has been very supportive. You know, and of course we talk. We have hard conversations and we talk about it. We talk about my childhood. We talk about when did I know? And we talk about, are you sure? you know, of course, um, but for the most part, they've been, yeah, I mean, they've been incredibly supportive. My brother, you know, says the only thing that you could ever really, you know, want from a sibling is, like, I don't care, Goose, so, like, my nickname has been Goose since since I was born. That's what my mom calls me. Um, I've always been Goose. I don't think, my mom rarely ever called me Allison. I've always been Goose. My dad called me Allison, but, My brother calls me Goose. My mom calls me Goose. Everybody always called me Goose. So my brother, he basically said, I don't care. I love you. And whatever you feel like you need to do doesn't change anything to me. You're always going to be Goose. And, you know, like those are, that's all you really need to hear from the people that are in your world, you know? So, so thankfully I've had a lot of amazing support and I'm, so grateful for that because I know that there are a lot of people out there that do not have the love and support. There are a lot of of trans kids out there and a lot of trans folks out there that really have a tough time. So I'm super appreciative and super grateful. How has COVID affected your transition? I think COVID was a blessing because it allowed me to pause and reflect and to be able to just deal with me and just not have to worry about taking time off from djing and to just focus on my transition um i think covid has been a blessing in a lot of ways and i think that if we slow down enough and allow ourselves to find the blessings and the lessons that we can really come away with some really great new things for ourselves, um, with COVID. And I know it has sucked for a lot of people too. And all a lot of us aren't making the same money that we were making a year ago. Like I get all of the the shitty sides of COVID. Um, but I also believe that there's always a silver lining and it's up to us to listen And to choose to do something positive out of all of the things that were dealt with. And for me, I chose to transition during this time because I wasn't going to DJ. I wasn't going to play, you know, like be traveling. This was the time. Um, I'm actually really glad that we drove. Sway and I decided to drive instead of fly. Um, And it made for just this really peaceful pilgrimage um and it was just really beautiful to to drive all the way to San Francisco we would pee on the side of the road and we would have all these disinfectant wipes it was we were just so cautious because i had to get tested right before surgery the day before surgery and if i would have had covid they couldn't operate you know so it was definitely interesting to say the least to go through all of that and i think the tough thing too was to to know that i had to do this alone and not have sway in recovery Um, but in the end, it's what needed to be, it's, you know, it was, it's my journey and it was what I needed to do. I needed to do it with myself. It was me, you know, so, um, yeah, all in all, I think it was challenging, but worth it. And, um, I definitely find the blessing in it. How do you feel your transition will affect your music? I think music for me has always been the voice that I needed. You know, like, I, I you know, if you go back to my Miami days and playing and Cactus and Crowbar in the After Hours, it was very much, it was very dark and very masculine and very rough. And I think a lot of that was me trying to get some of that masculine energy out. And then over the years... You know, through the sensual series, that is a very different side of me. You know, that was me getting my feminine out and playing much more um, melodic. I think the music has been the one space where it has been this beautiful dance between masculine and feminine. So it's the, the place where I have shined, um the most because it's been how I've communicated I will say though that I think it will feel better physically to feel more physically comfortable in my body while doing it and what will come from that will just be more of me more in my skin which will you know translate into more of an authentic expression of who I am are you excited to get back to nightlife? What will you feel will be different once COVID is behind us? Secretly, right here, right now, in this moment, I'm not excited. But it's it's because I'm still healing. So let's let's say this, this is truthfully because I physically am not up to being in a club right now and having that thump in my chest where my scar is feeling it. So in this moment... <laughs> I'm not, but I can tell you that I crave being at a festival or being in a big room with the sound and just losing myself to music. So yes, I'm excited for that. And what I do feel will be different is here's what I'm hoping for. I hope that maybe we have gotten out of that fucking ridiculous circuit loop that has been going on musically and that now all of this time in between people have been able to explore other genres and sounds and music and that gets to come back to the gay clubs again and I also hope that without this for so long That maybe those who have taken advantage of nightlife and advantage of the promoters that have been trying to bring new types of events that you maybe will appreciate it a little bit more. You know, maybe you'll want to go back to the club. Maybe you won't want to just stay home and order in. Maybe you'll want to go and hunt again. I also will hope that maybe people aren't on their devices as much anymore in the club. That maybe because we will have been so connected to our devices through this whole time because we can't be social, that maybe we can get to a space where nobody wants to even look at their fucking phone in a club again. Maybe, maybe this would be my hope that we can create an environment where people truly want to connect where people truly want to hear music and really just create a space for people to let go, to release, and dance again. Does your identity impact your sexuality? I mean, do you feel who you are sexually attracted to will be influenced as you embrace your own gender identity? I don't think it's really going to change I've always been attracted to women, to men, to those who dance in between, um, attraction is attraction. And to me, it's all about energy. Um, so who I end up having sex with is is another thing. I mean, I don't know if, if I will go as far to say I will have sex with a man. Maybe I will, um, maybe that will feel more comfortable as the person that I am now. And if I feel an attraction to that, then I will explore that. The great thing about Sway and I is we are open and we are very honest with each other about that openness. We have rules, we have guidelines, we have conduct, and whenever something shifts or arises, she will be the first person that I communicate this with, and that's just how our relationship is. Who have your rocks been during this transition? Well, Sway, of course, first and foremost, um... Ash, who has also been on the other side of many conversations about this leading up to this. Um, my big brother Ben also has been on many sides of the telephone. Um, I would say Brett has been a big part of this because going to surgery, he was where I stopped and coming home from surgery, he was also where I stopped and stayed at his place. So it was really sweet to have his place and his um, care and love through the bookends of, this, of, the, of such a big, huge um, surgery. And I would say probably who I have grown the closest with throughout this process just in a year um, has been Garrett. So those are the people that I have spoken to the most about everything and have kind of been really deeply um, along the ride with me. If you could say anything to your younger self, what would it be? You're not a freak. You are not wrong. You are lovable, you are creative, you are beautiful, you are who you were born to be. You are magical. You have the power to do anything, create anything, and be anything. I think that's a really good place to stop My journey is going to be constantly evolving and I really appreciate for those of you who have wanted to come along on this ride. I have no idea where I'm going, but I know where I am and I'm right here right now. Um, And there's going to be a lot of other findings and learnings as I continue to unpack. With each new win, there is a grief that comes right behind it too for the little one inside of me. And so I'm writing a lot, journaling a lot. Um, I, I am doing a lot of music and just healing. I'm grateful for this pause and this time out and this moment with COVID. Um, I'm grateful that I was able to really just focus on myself right now. And I hope... That whatever it is that you're doing, that you can find some space to do that too. And maybe you don't have some major life transition or you don't have a gender remix, but I guarantee you there's something in your world that is really asking to be remixed. And I really pray and I hope that whatever that is, that you find the courage to follow it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found something insightful. If you did, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. Uh, Maybe you have more questions with my answers. Who knows? Um, If you are also interested in learning more about Remix Your World, learning more about my CIJ class, or taking CIJ, Also, head up RemixYourWorld.com forward slash C-I-J and reach out and let me know. I won't be teaching any more group classes this year, um, but I will be doing privates. So if you're ready to Remix Your World right here, right now, reach out. Maybe there's a way that we can do a private, Um, but I won't be doing any more group classes in 2020. So you can get on the wait list for 2021 and we can make that happen. Also, what's coming this winter for Remix Your World are going to be two new offerings that I'm super excited about. I'm going to be offering hypnotherapy and sound healing. Uh, These are both two things that have been such game changers for me in my own personal growth, and I cannot be more excited to be able to share them with you and help you on your healing journey. Thank you so much. I love you all be safe, be kind, and I hope to see you really, really soon. Take care.